everyone. You're listening to Hotel Vicarious, a podcast where two best friends talk about all their favorite TV shows and movies. This week, we begin our recap of the final season of The Last Kingdom. Jenny. And hello, listener. Welcome back to Hotel Vicarious. We have finally arrived at the Last Kingdom. Yeah, we took a few detours. We did. But we are finally here. And we are so excited to be talking about Uhtred, son of Uhtred. Son of Uhtred. Son of Uhtred. Son of Uhtred. (laughs) That's a callback to the very first uh, book. In the Saxon series, written by Bernard Cornwell, which is what the show is based on, there's like this, it might be the very first page, and he goes into this, like, basically sort of telling about, you know, his whole life or whatever, and it really is just like this paragraph that it's just like, you know, I am Udrid, son of Udrid, son of Udrid, it's just like, we get it. (laughs) everyone is named yeah here i'm gonna read it to you just the first paragraph because it's so funny my name is utrid i am the son of utrid who was the son of utrid and his father was also called utrid that's the first sentence in the book (laughs) you know and i have to think that like like as a writer what do they say right like your first line has to really capture the reader and no shade to uh, Mr. Bernard, but like, oh my god! <laughs> and he wrote like thirteen books after that. Like he sure did, and he's written like dozens and dozens of others in other series. So he's a very prolific writer. So, but it just always makes me laugh that it's like he's got the the word Uhtred in one sentence four times, <laughs> and I'm like hyperventilating if I have two commas in a sentence so (laughs) meanwhile I'm hopeful that my sentences don't take up like eight pages because I love a (laughs) run-on I love a run-on sentence exactly just slap a couple semicolons in the middle and you're fine that's all you need (laughs) oh so yes we are going to be recapping season five of Netflix's The Last Kingdom Today's episode will be episodes one through four of the show. Next week will be episode five, six, and seven. And the following week will be episode um, eight, nine, ten. And that will wrap up the season. So we're doing a really truncated season like we did with Bridgerton. But we feel like this is kind of the best way to keep it sort of fresh and new for the listeners, for us doing the recaps. Um, And also we have just like a ton of movies that we want to recap as well. So we've got a lot planned out for the next couple of months. And I I don't know. Are you excited, Daria? I'm excited. I'm so excited. I think we have an incredible schedule ahead of us. I think the Hotel Vicarious Summer 22 is going to be a incredible few months. I really do. I know. I'm very excited. Are you excited because of, you know... Some exciting stuff that you're going to announce very soon, which is like my very unhelpful way of saying, hey, Jenny. 
Yes. Uh, so listeners, if you follow me on Instagram and Twitter, you may have seen an announcement uh, that I have decided uh, to open a very small but very mighty online bookstore. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Just another one of my many side hustles uh, for the time being, but which will hopefully one day maybe turn into something greater. Um, but I'm going to be opening a romance exclusive bookstore, the very first uh, in all of Canada, Woo! which is like kind of overwhelming and a little bit terrifying, but the response has been super great. Definitely a lot bigger than I anticipated. Not me. <laughs> I also had some really, really nice things said about it um, by some pretty amazing authors who sort of were really gung-ho about it right from the start, which was really nice. So yeah, so it's called Happily Ever After Books. And you can find us at happilyeveraftersbooks.ca. So come check us out. Sign up for our newsletter. Our online store will be opening soon. And then, yeah, you may be able to see me in person if you live in the Toronto area sooner rather than later. It's so exciting. I'm so excited. I am not in Toronto, so I'm very upset because the East Coast does not have one in the U.S. Yes. Dude, I am so excited for you. This is well, thank so you. amazing. Well, you have definitely been a huge part of why I was able to even like decide that I was something I should actually do instead of just another pipe dream. So that's because we are both enablers to our core. So we are, we <laughs> truly, truly are uh, sometimes to our detriment, but mostly to our benefit. So yeah, I would say, you know, we do sometimes toe the line, but I've, I've seen more success <laughs> out of yeah. enabling than, uh, you know, exactly, exactly. Failures, totally. So yes. Yes. So yeah, so that's kind of what's been going on with me. So I've been a little bit busy, but it's been fun. So yeah, that's that's my big news. Um, but I'm not going anywhere. The <laughs> podcast will stay as is. Mm-hmm. And we we have lots of fun hot takes coming up this summer. We have a lot of fun movies that we'll be announcing sort of in little chunks um, as we decide which ones we're going to do in what order. So yeah, I mean, I think I think you guys are going to be really excited. We might have a, a J-Lo marathon that we're planning because, you know, I said last week Sandra Bullock is the queen of rom-coms. I do think J-Lo is a very close, like, princess of rom-coms. Yeah, uh, lady in waiting. A duchess, you know. Her library is quite fast. Uh, yeah. And we do want to pay tribute to yeah. Jenny from the Block. Yeah, for Ugh. sure. Adaria, can we talk about last night's Matt Gala. Oh my god, yes. So, you know, this episode will release on Thursday, but as you know, the first Monday in May is always the Met Gala, and it is the time when all of us total slobs sit on our couch in our sweatpants and go, she's not on theme. What is she wearing? That's hideous. Okay, but no one was on theme last night. No, I mean, I would say like maybe five people – yeah. Tried. And then yeah. even some of the folks who really, really tried confused Gilded with Regency, with Rococo, with, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm pretty sure someone showed up in like full Marie Antoinette garb, which is like. Did not make sense. Please. And then my favorite theory of the night. Okay. Because, you know, for, for 
those of you listening, the Met Gala guest list used to be a lot more pretentious. I mean, truly, you only had really like elite New York fashion, fashiony socialites if you weren't a celebrity. Like, yes, but yeah, yeah. now you have TikTok influencers. You have, I know, like CW stars. <laughs> You have the Kardashians, yeah. which, you know, far be yeah. it for me to understand. But my favorite conspiracy theory of the night is that none of the Kardashians got the gilded glam memo and thought that it was the golden age of Hollywood instead. Because they all, they oh, no. all got it wrong. Like, tell me oh, why. No. <laughs> tell me why Kim Kardashian decided to put her body through so much rigorous bullshit in order to lose 16 pounds to fit into Marilyn Monroe's dress from the 60s when the theme is gilded glam. It's just why. So I think some wires were crossed because all of the Kardashians showed up looking, well, and the Jenners. Like, they totally missed the memo. Like, where were the bustles? (laughs) It is like... It is so easy. Where were the mutton chop sleeves? Where were the high necked collars? Like, like, truly, like it was. I, I'm just so confused. I feel like people just seriously don't know what the Gilded Age is, and like, no one did any research. Well, and it's incredible because the Gilded Age is on TV right now. Yeah, like. Poor Christine Baranski. Clearly no one is watching her show. (laughs) Like, woof. I will say, my favorites of the night, um, Blake Lively, who I find to be the most basic of basic, somehow she comes to the Met Gala and turns it out every single year. Mm -hmm. And her, like, super extravagant ode to Lady Liberty was like yeah that was pretty awesome stunning and um Normani came Mm -hmm. in this like beautiful black velvet like totally deconstructed but she had the shoulders she had the hat she had I mean it was it was pretty it was yeah it was pretty close do you have any other favorites I'm trying to think there really weren't that many isn't that <laughs> I know. Yeah, there really were not that many. Oh, um, what's her name from Riverdale? Madeline Petch, the redhead? Oh, I mean, I don't know if I saw her. Her also knew a photo. Her her dress wasn't quite gilded, but it worked. It worked yeah. for me, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It had the sleeves. So to me, that's what all that matters. <laughs> yeah, there was... Like, here's the thing. Even Christine Bransky herself was not in Gilded Age clothing, which I did not understand. <laughs> I know. <laughs> what? What? Yeah. Uh, Oscar Isaac wearing a skirt, though. I was down for that. I loved, like, his yeah. wife wearing the tuxedo with the tails and him wearing yeah. the, like, dr- I mean. Yeah. Yes. Tessa Thompson. Yeah. Tessa Thompson, okay, it was not Gilded Age whatsoever, but Tessa Thompson in that Carolina Herrera looked amazing. She looked like a thing of cotton candy. 
It was I'm, delicious. I'm looking <laughs> up right now because I don't. Um, oh yes, that big, yes. huge, puffy pink one. Okay, the only person who I feel truly got it right was Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny <laughs> wore a Burberry dress that yeah. had the sleeves and the collar of the Gilded Age, and he, he the hair. Like, yeah. Bad Bunny was the only person who I was like, oh, yeah, you got the memo. Well, so Billie Eilish did the exact same thing. She came in, like, a full corset with the choker with Oh, everything. okay, I did not see her. But hers okay. was almost a little too costumey, which I think is the, mm. the tough part. Like, you want yeah. it to feel, like, legitimate fashion. Oh, yeah, you especially for the men. Like you're yeah. <laughs> in, like, a, you know, a movie or whatever. But, yeah. like... I did appreciate that she tried really, really hard. And I did see a few girls do the, like, Gibson girl hairstyle. Yeah, that was um, good. Um, you know, Jessica Chastain's was, like, interesting. It was it was high-necked. It was long sleeves. It had the, a, the wrong kind of... me a little bit of a 20s vibe, no? Right? Okay, okay, here's the thing. I feel like a lot of people went with 1920s. Yeah, and Emma Stone feel, came in like a flapper dress. Oh, so did um, David Harbour's. I don't know if it was his wife. Oh, Lily or, Allen. I, is that is yeah? That, David that Lily Allen? married to Lily Allen oh, now. What? And no. What? In that okay. Uh, yeah. I that is really weird. Okay, so yeah, so Lily Allen was in like a flapper dress. Yeah. A couple other people. David Harbour showed up looking like the Monopoly man, which was very on theme. Yeah, he looked actually, okay, I have to say, yes. He, in terms of like men's outfits and sort of like male outfits, it did look very, you know, good. Um, In terms of something that looked nothing like the Gilded Age, except that it was completely gold, uh, Cara Delevingne in her gold pasties was amazing. (laughs) Like, wow. I, I mean, I love Cara Delevingne. Like, she she can get away with a lot of stuff. Um, and I was like, okay, we're yeah. doing this. She I had, know. like, she basically just had, like, gold pasties and, like, airbrushed gold all over her chest. She was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to gild myself. Yes, that yeah. is it. That's what I'm doing. I know. I think my favorite dress of the night was Michelle Yao's. And it had nothing to do with the theme whatsoever, but she yeah. just looked so stunning in it. I was like, whatever, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, Lenny Kravitz, there was a little bit too much leather, but like he was kind of rocking like a corset y type kind of outfit. So, like, I you think know, that, that was okay. The most confusing part of the night was that a lot of people went for black and for leather and like, and gold and like, guys. It, Please. It, it just felt like people were going to like a very fancy funeral, which <laughs> so fancy. Maybe so. some of these folks got the memo of the death of Roe v. Wade <laughs> while they were on their way there, and they were like, "Oh, sorry, yeah, that was a dark segue. It's a dark, dark segue." But yes, I can right. tell you what a bizarre world it is to be yeah. like scrolling through my Twitter feed and going, oh, "Okay, that's a good dress." That's an ugly dress. That's on theme. That's not on theme. Oh, the Supreme Court leaked documents about the the voting of Roe v. Wade. I was like, what is what is this? This is like the most dystopian Hunger Games like 
I, I've never experienced such whiplash in my entire life. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's a lot. My honorable mention to one of the outfits I hated purely because I really dislike Ben Platt and I've talked about how much I dislike Ben Platt <laughs> multiple times on yeah. this podcast. And it's fine because he's never um, going to be on this show. That's for sure. <laughs> even if he wanted to be, I would not let him. <laughs> you hear that, Ben Platt? Yeah. You're banned. But he, You're banned from Hotel Vicarious. I don't even know what. He was wearing like a tux, but then he had like a black corset on over top. And he had his nails done. He did, which is fine. Great. His nails were the only part of that that I like. I, but I just, I just don't like Ben Platt. I just don't like him. I know that there was a little bit of like male corsetry going on back then. Oh, for sure. But I just, yeah, I don't, sorry, bud. Mm. I don't love it. Yeah. No, well, I do not... love that his manicure matches the pearls around his. <laughs> it does. Like, he has like this like interesting pearl. Like if this look was on almost anybody else, <laughs> I would be into it. I'm yeah. not going to lie. <laughs> exactly. I just don't like him. I don't know. Yeah. He just irritates me. Well, that's how um, I feel about Amy Schumer. In her like mortician's coat, I don't. I did not see that. Well, see, I missed. I kind of started late, so I missed a bunch of. I missed a bunch of things, but like I did see Bradley Cooper, who I normally hate, but he looked real good. I I missed Bradley Cooper. Were there like eight hundred people there? I, I can't even. I'm gonna send you because he looks really good. And like, is it the hair? It is the hair. Uh, and <laughs> he also um, has a beard. Yeah. And he's just like, looks very good. Yeah. You know what? It looks like his filler settled. His <laughs> yeah. face is back to normal. His face is back to normal. Um, And he just looks really good. So, you know, but yeah, so that was the Met Gala. It was interesting. <laughs> it I mean, was real I... interesting. I used to be a real fashion girly. That was my that was my thing when I was in high school. Yes. I really wanted to go to FIT and I wanted to mm-hmm. become a stylist and I wanted to work in fashion and mm-hmm. so the Met Gala sort of my like my like secret little guilty pleasure of Of course. you know going through. It, isn't it all of ours? Yeah. It was definitely an event. I I love I love it. I don't care like how much people like totally screwed up the well that's sort of the fun of it right is like yeah you know seeing all of your faves on the red carpet and they either look incredible or they look like garbage and you're like well how do i defend this i know <laughs> what I mean, do i do with not this yeah exactly i mean not a lot of people looked bad per se like no, there wasn't a no. lot of bad outfits which is surprising because in the past there has been some like not great outfits even if they were on theme it's just like yeah yeah and i think not having rihanna and zendaya this year was a real loss because they always do it really well Mm -hmm. also every time i think of the met now i think of that's where taylor swift and tom hiddleston met (laughs) every single time i think of the met gala i think of that year when they met at and those some dinner the night incredibly before. Incredibly cringeworthy videos of them dancing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Jenny and I are haters, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's not true. I love Tom Hiddleston. 
I'm not gonna lie. I truly love that man. And like, I'm fine. I'm 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 okay to be labeled someone who enjoys Taylor Swift music. But it just makes me laugh real hard. The fact that they probably had nothing to talk about <laughs> ever. No, that, no. Yeah, I still no. believe that that wasn't even a real relationship, to be honest. Yes, so. exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. Well, should we get on with it? Oh yeah, I think we can probably start chatting about our favorite Saxon Viking. <laughs> From the Gilded Age to the Iron Age, we are back in time to, I don't know, what is it time is it now in season five? It's like, I I think it's the like 900 and something yeah it's like the very early 900s it's like 905 yeah or something okay. like that yeah 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 okay so episode one opens up and we see that several years uh have passed since the end of season four probably like six seven six or seven it's hard to say but yes because i think some of the children were like 10 to 12 in season four and now they're 18 to 20 ish yeah exactly that's what i kind of thought you know as as you will learn as we talk about this and if you are a current fan of last kingdom (laughs) time means literally nothing I know. Why did I bring it up as the very first thing to talk about? Well, because it wouldn't be a return to Last Kingdom (laughs) if we didn't have a 10-year time jump between seasons. I know. A 10-year time jump, a six-month time jump for Uhtred's face. Like, it doesn't really matter. Uh, Lord Uhtred is the oldest, hottest, youngest-looking motherfucker in all of Wessex, Okay. This man is probably 62 in canon and is like a hot 38 <laughs> on screen. It's true. So we find out a couple of things. Um, Uhtred is living in Mercia. Uh, he's now the Lord of Rumkofa. And all of his men are still living uh, in and amongst the town with him. And we find that like... Finnan um, has a wife and a kid. Uh, we find that Citric found his wife and his kid from wherever they disappeared to in season four. And he also has like seven other children now. Um, and it's like a joke even that like they're very prolific, which I loved. That was so yeah. great. It's so funny too, because we've spent so many seasons wondering where Citric's wife is. And they sort of, like, let her come back with, like, a full-on bang. Like, she had a few speaking lines. She has a name. And now she has, like, seven children. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I guess she was just, like, super pregnant most of the time we didn't see her. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. So, we do. So, we find, like, them. And then, of course, our baby monk, uh, Osfirth, is just a real slut. (laughs) That's it. He's got ladies fighting over him. And he does. He's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. What do I say? <laughs> uh, following in his father's footsteps, clearly. And so, yeah, so they're kind of living like a happy, happy life. Yeah, you know what? It's it's kind of amazing because we've seen uh, Uhtred be the lord of Hookham for a few seasons. And it's never felt as settled as this and like you no know, you can make the joke that obviously Uhtred is always helping with the affairs of Wessex and he's constantly in battle and you know all these things but 
at Rumkova, he really feels like a true lord and his people seem to love him. And there's just this like really cool community feeling because as we sort of meet the men again, they're celebrating something called the Red Month Festival. And so everyone's dancing and drinking and and having fun. And it's this really cool combination of like Saxon and Saxon and Danes, like Danish culture interacting. Yeah. It is. I kind of love it. There's definitely, you can kind of tell just from looking at the townspeople that there is a very big Danish community in Romkofa. And Finnan's wife is one of them. And so it's kind of like this really nice full circle thing for Uhtred especially to have this like joint crew. Yeah. And and then we get to see uh, Ethelstan who is all grown up. And he is like, he's been training with Uhtred and living with Uhtred this whole time, training to be a warrior, you know, then that's what Edward had asked Uhtred to do at the very last scene in season four. So he's been doing that. Um, Ethelstan's been living at, in Rumkova with Uhtred and Uhtred has definitely become this kind of like foster father to Ethelstan for sure. And it's kind of amazing because... I love it so much. Uhtred is not. He's just, he wasn't a very good dad. (laughs) And he was a deadbeat. He was a deadbeat dad for his first children. And I do think that uh, there were some complications. Like Alfred stole his children. I mean, yeah, fair. (laughs) There's a a lot of stuff happening. But with. A lot of trauma. Yeah. With Ethelstan, he kind of gets to do it right. Well, he's in one place. He's yeah. not He's not fighting wars. He's not trying to be a kingmaker. He's just, I mean, in, in a way he is actually becoming a king. He just doesn't know it. Um, yeah. But he, he is just like in one place. He's settled and he's able to just like focus on this young kid who really needs him. Yeah. It's kind of like a perfect storm of just being able to be present and not having yeah. anyone try and steal his children and like all of these great things. So. Right. The, the vibe between them is really strong and it's really cute to see Uhtred be such an overprotective dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. Like you really see those instincts come out here and it's it's really good. It is. And then, you know, we, and we had some really funny moments in episode one. So our girl Edith is back from Frankia. She has been training um, and she's basically a pretty well-known healer at this point. Um, And so she comes back and there is this sort of, there's this great awkwardness um, when everyone sees her and, you know, she's on the boat and, you know, Citric kind of like looks at Finnan and Finnan's like, (laughs) oh, which is kind of a nice way for us to, for them to at least acknowledge that in season four, yeah, there kind of maybe was like something brewing between Finn and Edith. And yeah, they didn't go in that direction. And I know some people are disappointed, but I think I just loved the way that it played out. Yeah. And the way that it ended up being that Edith and Finn's wife, Ingrid. Yes. Become really good friends. Yes. And Ingrid is great. So it's like very hard to you know, hold any sort of previous, like, shipping, you know, because Finnan and Ingrid yeah. are so cute. And also, they didn't go the crappy love triangle route, which yes. I really appreciated. Loved. 
Yeah. So that was really fun. So it was fun to see. We're glad. I'm glad that Edith is back. Um, you know, and then pretty much right after that, shit goes downhill. <laughs> well, yeah. So I guess in this, you know, Red Month Festival, there's this like tradition where you get to go on a hunt. And Ethel's Stan is like that. I'm ready. I'm ready. Let me do it. Like, let me go. Yeah. I want to do it. I want to be the guy. And Utrid's like, all right, but we're going, you know, like we're going with you. And so it's Ethelstan and Utrid and Citric and Finnan and I think Osford. I think it's just the, you know, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Of them. And um oh, and then what's his name? I think is also there, but not really. Uh Kin Kinliff, who's Ethelstan's buddy. Oh yes, 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 Kinliff, yeah. So, you know, Ethelstan is tracking the boar and gets attacked by three men no four i think it's four because i think he kills three yes yeah you're right it's it is oh well it's three but then they're kind of like leader guys watching sort of yes you know yeah and we assume that they've been hired by lord ethelhelm because duh like <laughs> yeah because he's the only one who wants to kill kill ethel's yeah. yeah and it's the first time and it's amazing that you know we do this time jump and we meet him again and he's like 20 years old and he peep whoops ass in the in the woods <laughs> like he really kind of like shocked me that he was as good as he was yeah. because he kills three men by himself yeah yeah, he definitely his training with Uhtred has paid off. Yeah. Um because he does I mean he it's a little touch and go there for a bit, but he really pulls it out and he he yeah, he really he definitely has a hunt on his hands. I was going to say what I love because I'm a baby is that when shit goes sideways, Ethelstan starts screaming for Uhtred. And Uhtred hears him from deep in the woods and tears off. Like, it is, I think, my favorite moment. It's this, like, I little know. boy screaming out. I know. It's Just, so good. It plays into all of the things that I love. Yeah, exactly. So that kind of sets up what's going on with Uhtred and the his crew. And then... In Iceland, we see that Brita has become like this sort of like cult level leader of um, this band of Danish warriors. Um, you know, they've all got like white paint on their face and she's very much like, now is the time to attack England. Um, and we finally get to see her child who ends up being a daughter whose name is Vibica which I love who is she's a seer which I found like slightly problematic (laughs) uh, in the fact that like of course Brita would use her child for her own selfish sort of I don't know like she, it's just like she's just she just makes so many bad decisions all the well, time. It's, it's kind of incredible to me that Brita becomes a cult leader. Like she is a Viking cult leader. That's what yeah. she does. 
And she uses her daughter to help pick out the sacrifices. And it is just like, you know, Last Kingdom does this balance of action and historical and serious and funny really well. Yeah. But I think this shift with Brida put them into a really interesting place. Like it really kind of sets the stakes and, 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 you know, you have like a 10 year old girl picking who's going to die and like, they don't even really know what's happening. And like, it's, it really kind of sets this like really horror kind of like tone. Yeah. It, it's definitely a lot. Uh, and basically, she says to them that now is the time to attack England. So they're heading back out across the sea and they're going to, you know, they're going to take back um, what they lost. Um, because I think basically she believes that Sig Trigger kind of caved, basically. Yeah, yeah I mean, um, she feels totally betrayed. Yeah, exactly. So she is out to get Sig Trigger. She's out to get Siora. And of course, as always, she's out to get Uhtred. Yes, because Uhtred is literally the reason for all, for everything. In her mind, it all started with Uhtred not choosing to go with his brother, you know, 57 billion years ago. Right, exactly. Literally, it was like 40 years. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So... One of the things we see before we see Brita and her cult sort of descend on England is we get a little snapshot of Sig Trigger and Siora's domestic life in Efferwich. <laughs> um, and they're trying to like sort of, you know, Sig Trigger's trying to like maintain this peace sort of between the Christians and the and the pagans, the Dane, the Danes and the, the Saxons, you know, or um it, it's it's slow. It's okay. Like I think they've managed to do it for the last sort of like 10 years, but you know, things are always tense. And then Sig Trigger's brother. I don't know how to pronounce this. It's Ron, Ronvold, Ronvold, I think is really Ron how you Vold. pronounce it. Okay. Ronvold. Well, okay. Someone listening, you can correct us, but I think it's Ronvold. Yeah. Yeah. So he arrives. Um, they thought he was lost at sea, but he is like, no, I survived the sea. And uh, and so, you know, he, he, you know, Sig Trigger welcomes him with open arms. And of course, Siora is like, what the fuck? I do not trust this guy as far as I could throw him. She's got her daddy's um, instincts, that's for sure. Exactly. And it turns out that, yes, um, he is totally full of shit. Uh, he is one of Brita's followers and basically ends up leading an attack on Everwitch against his brother and Stiora. And it's brutal. It's like truly, it's a, truly heartbreaking. It's a really, it's bad. Because the brief little domestic shots that we get of Sig Trigger and Stiora are so lovely. Like he seems to be a very like gracious king and uh-huh. Stiora seems to be very well loved by her maids and they're just so fucking beautiful and adorable together and I'm I so <sighs> and we did not get enough of them we didn't we didn't get together. enough of their relationship we didn't get enough of them as king and queen like if there's something I, I wish I would 
I want like a spinoff where it's like leading up to Epperwich where know. we could like see them together because their chemistry is like off the charts, the two of them. Like not really enough kissing. <laughs> not enough kissing, but we did get that dope like scene where Sig Trigger picks her up and like, mm-hmm. yeah, very good stuff. Yeah, that was very good. That was very good. So at this point, basically, uh, Brita, Brita arrives in Efferwich. They've surrounded the city. Sig Trigger has no choice but to surrender. And Stiora has been forced into hiding because yeah. she doesn't even really want Sig Trigger. She wants Stiora. Yeah. And so she, Stiora ends up in the sewers of Efferwich with her maids, one of which is um, Hella. Is that her name? Hella? He- Hella, yeah, I think so. Yeah, Hella, who is um, mute. Her and Stuart have a really, like, lovely friendship, and they speak sign language, and it's... it's it is really just, good. It's really good. It's a really yeah. great moment, and you kind of see how hard this is for Stuart, because she is kind of her father's daughter in the sense that she wants to kind of go out and protect her of people. Of course, yeah. But she's also extremely important to be alive. And so, you know, she yeah. knows she has to, like, hide. Yes, exactly. And while all this is going on, everyone in Rumkofa is celebrating the Red Month Festival. Ethel Fled has arrived with her daughter Elfwyn. Lady Ellsworth is still alive and, you know, never to be felled like she this woman has outlived so many people um i I have to say that like a lot of people i think have been upset that maybe they didn't explain how Ellsworth survived but they do make quite a few jokes about how she's constantly sick and maybe a little bit of a hypochondriac so to me Mm -hmm. that sort of like answers the question of she survived but now she's going to use every waking moment to like be the martyr yeah, about exactly. her health. And like, to me, that's funnier than like the realism of maybe her dying in season four. Right. Exactly. And then season or episode one ends with, this is pretty brutal. This is one of the most brutal parts of uh, Again, the episode. This, I this think. intro to season five, <laughs> this whole episode was like hardcore horror vibes. Yeah, um, and so young Uhtred basically stumbles into town, unknown where he was before that. I know, was he in Rumkova and he was just like a monk? No, I don't think so. I think he was somewhere else and they found him and kind of like, basically they castrate him and then drop him off at the edge of town and, you know, he kind of like falls into Uhtred's arms and reveals that Brita is... The one responsible. Horrible. Yes. So whew, that is episode one. Yeah, it's a lot. So, and like episode two, it gets, we got right into it right away, basically. Yeah. And um, this episode was directed by Alexander Draymond, which is yes. very exciting. And written by Martha Hillier, who I believe wrote most of season four, I think. Yeah, she wrote almost. She wrote a good chunk of season four. That's awesome. Yeah. And so, and Alexander did an amazing job directing this episode. It's, 
It's a really good episode. And so basically, uh, young Uhtred has not died, but he is, Edith is caring for him, hoping he will recover. It's undetermined, like, what level of castration occurred. Yeah, but but all we know is he won't be able to have children, if that's what he, you know. He will not ever be able to be Uhtred's heir. Yeah. Uhtred and his men at this point believe that Brita is going to be attacking Rumkofa. And that's pretty much that he's like, they're ready. They've gotten everyone ready, ready for an attack. And that's when they find out that Efferwitch has fallen and Stiora and Sigtrigger, you know, they don't know where Stiora is. And, and it's in that moment that Uhtred realizes they're coming for my children because she wants me. And it's, and it's, incredible too because if anyone is going to understand what that would mean to Uhtred it's Brita right taking away any sort of bloodline he has left so it's um it's a brutal moment because you know the the tension between Brita and Uhtred has always sort of been there and it's gotten just worse every season and this is the first time that Brita's acted on it in a way that like you know, Uhtred is paying for. And so it's... Yeah, she's always, like, actually attacked him. Yeah. Like, they've 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 had some actual fights between the two of them, but she's never kind of gone so low as to attack his children. And now she's just, like, she's just, it's beyond. It's like all she's just beyond off. herself. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so while Uhtred is, you know, sort of waiting for Brita to attack and, you know, all this is happening, Brita has Sig Trigger captured and she's torturing him and she's like listen if you uh can bring me Uhtred then you know it's fine you can go like I'll, I'll let you survive and it's sick trigger was kind of low-key my favorite in season four and the like very brief moments we got to see him yeah and now in these few episodes I'm like god oh, this man's this man's a badass like he's so good and he's so Brave, and I just I know. I'm genuinely obsessed with Sig Trigger in in like the first few episodes, especially. I mean, it's just I know the one scene where he's like waving everyone off with the um with the fire, and it's just (gasps) I know it's so good. Yes, yeah, that is. He's also like an extremely skilled fighter. Like he's yeah, he's up there with Uhtred as like a very good warrior yeah and then there's the scene where she cuts all his hair off you know that poor boy i know so brita has basically cuts all his hair off and basically like they shave his head yeah mostly sort of well she just she cuts it so close to the scalp that there's really nothing left and it's like that hair is such a big part of their culture that you know it's yeah it's a huge like um insult i guess yeah She's just trying to kind of humiliate him in any way she can. Yeah, so he leaves. Um, he leaves Efferwitch. And we don't really know if he's doing it because he is going to do what she says, which is to bring Uhtred to her. Or is he just going to go find Uhtred and be like, you know, help me get my wife, your daughter back. But while this is ha- while while he leaves, you know, Stiora, having escaped with her, you know, her attendants, like her her ladies in waiting or whatever they're called they are in the sewers the old roman sewers below efferwich and this is where she is basically she wants to reveal herself and her her attendants are like no you have to stay you have to stay hidden you have to stay hidden you know but at the same time uh stiora is like 
forced to watch where it has like all of these women in the town are like basically tortured and sacrificed one after the other until Stiora like that's basically Brita's doing that so Stiora will reveal herself yeah it's uh I mean Brita just Brita is is insane but she's really smart and she knows exactly what to do to hit everyone's like breaking points and she knows that like Stuart won't be able to watch this for very much longer yeah exactly um because she knows Stuart is just like her father yep like she knows right so um so and then we actually get to see what's going on in Wessex which we haven't seen yet but we basically see a slightly aged uh King Edward yeah, they slapped a beard on him. Slapped a beard on him. He's got he's got some like crow's feet. Uh, you know, still looks like he's twelve, but it's fine. So Edward is he's looking a little bored these days. Um, you know, there's no wars to fight. Uh, there's not a lot to do. Um, and so he is listening to basically, you know, townspeople complaining. <laughs> about things, petitioning him to do things. And one of the people who petitions him is Lady Agafew of Kent to petition him to return some stolen land to her. And he's immediately intrigued. (laughs) He's so hot for her. He is a boner. (laughs) And he's just like, oh, I remember you. We met as kids. You should stay here for a while. Don't go back to Kent. You know, just like, you know, hang out. Let's let's talk. Um, it's actually amazing that she's like fighting for her lands and ownership of those lands. And he's like, but just stay here. Yeah. Don't go home for those lands that I just gave back to you. Stay here with me. Like. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, and she's like, mm, yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, but... I mean, it's 1905 and, you know, the king of Wessex is asking you to sleep with him. So, like, are you going to say no? No, you're not going to say no. (laughs) Like, at that point, you're not saying no. But it does, but this interaction does start to fuel Lord Ethelhelm to sort of, you know, aside from the fact that he tried to have Ethelstan killed, he's really starting to see his family's influence sort of like it's kind of waning because you know the king is losing interest with his daughter um and with that means he's kind of losing interest in elf weird mm-hmm. and you know so he's kind of just like lord Ethelhelm, you know he's got he's got the wheels spinning now trying to see how he can sort of how he can sort of distract edward with a war uh, between Wessex and Northumbria to sort of, you know, get him back on, get him back on Ethel, Ethelhelm's side and, you know, go attack Efferwich and blah, 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 blah. Basically. Yeah. Uh, Ethelhelm is, I just have never been madder at a character in my entire life. Like, watching him this season... I, I just want to get violent. Like, that's how I feel. And it's not going to get better. And I'm just warning everybody now that the things that I would do to this little petulant man, endless. 
I would go full Brita on his butt. Yeah, you know, Adrian Schiller, who plays Ethelhelm, he was fantastic this year. Masterclass. Like, villainy. Like, he's incredible. I would say truly a better villain than any of the previous four seasons. Yeah. He's menacing because he has so much power and so much influence, and he's so smart. Exactly. And so it's really, it's kind of interesting because it, it makes the plot so much more than just the Danes versus the Saxons. It's the Saxons versus each other versus the Danes versus the Danes versus the Danes. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's so, it's so, you know, wild. Um, And it's just, it's so, it's so intricate. And it just makes for such an exciting season. I think it, it's so much more intense. It's so much more, it's mature in a way that season three and four were getting there. But it you can see the maturity in this season of the plots and the characters. And they, they've done a great job to get us here. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, this, this just the, it just starts off with a bang. Every every part of yes. this episode sort of just yeah. keeps on with the yeah. It's just it's true. So back in room Kofa, you know, young Uhtred is still kind of like in his like you know castrated coma. We're not sure what's going on with him. Uh, Edith is also there. the The real reason Edith is there is because Ethel Fled had actually sent for her in Frankia because she needed her skills as a healer because it's revealed that Ethel Fled has breast cancer. Yeah, and this sort of... Uh, I didn't catch this on my first watch because I was like, <laughs> oh, what an interesting coincidence that Edith shows up in Rumkova and, you know, Ethel Fled is sick and it's like, oh, wow, what a handy-dandy thing. But no, Daria, you're a dumbass. <laughs> Very. I mean, clearly. a lot happens in the a first two episodes. Happens. So, uh, but what I what I love the most about it is that Edith and Ethelflaed had such an interesting um, dynamic in season four. Yes, they they're, they're oh. very similar women, you know, like they're mm-hmm. they've both been sort of victims of the patriarchy. Yeah, in in this time period, and if. Edith wasn't sort of forced into becoming Ethelred's mistress. The two probably would have been really good friends, you know? Yeah. And, and, and did become pretty good friends, even in spite of, in spite of, uh, yeah. Um, Ethelred, and, right? And so to me, it says so much about Ethelfled's character yes. and about Edith's that she would seek her out for help after uh, essentially banishing her from Mercia. Yeah, and that Edith would come. Yeah, that that she would she that would she travel the, from Frankia. Yeah, to the be, integrity to, to do that. Yes, exactly. Um, and so obviously, uh, Edith, you know, says like that. Unfortunately, uh, you know, it, it's it's been left too long. Uh, there's not much she could do except make her comfortable, and that Ethelflaed basically is not going to live to see the spring. Which is like brutal, pretty, pretty brutal news. Yeah. Um, and she, you know, she's 
very concerned now because if she dies, um, you know, she doesn't have a successor named. Um, and so she's, she's very worried that it's going to throw Mercia, you know, into just absolute chaos. Um, and so when Uhtred comes to her and says, you know, I want to take the men of Mercia, or sorry, the men of um, Rumkofa to assist with Efferwich, she says no. And they have this fight and he's just like, well, I don't like what, why, why are you being like this? And he doesn't understand. And, and it's really sad because you know why. And she chooses not to tell him she's sick. And it's like, this man fucking loves you. He loves you so much. He gave you up. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, it just, I was just like, no, tell him. I know. I really hated this. It's heartbreaking. Because if it were any other circumstance, Uhtred would be like, okay. But it's his kid, right? And so for him, he can't see straight whatsoever. And it's it's the worst. I hate it. I know. So um, basically, he's like, well, fuck you. Uh, I'm going to take my own men. Uh, and I'm going to go save my daughter. And, uh, it's, uh, you know, a lot. They find Sig Trigger on the road. Oh, well, um, wait. The oh, worst part. Sorry. The worst part about the whole thing is that Edith overhears their arguing. Oh, yes, yes. And this is important. she's like, no, 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 no. Do not leave on bad terms. Like, just... Like, you know, this isn't going to work. And so Edith pulls Fit in aside. I know. And it's such a sweet moment between the two of them, too, because of, you know, their previous interactions. And um, yeah, and how they, how much they both love Uhtred and Ethelflaed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she confides in him that Ethelflaed is very ill and that she won't survive spring and that, like, do not tell Uhtred until, you know, it's like the right time. And, and it's like, fuck. He's like, I've <laughs> like, never no. lied to him. Yeah. I've never lied to him. And she's just like, it's it's so hard because you can tell, like, he's so conflicted. He's so yeah. conflicted. Oh, Finnan. Poor Finnan, man. This this season is, is rough on him. It is. It is. He, he gets it, like, a lot more than other. I mean, yeah. He has it more than some of others, I suppose. Yeah. So they leave to go to Efferwich, and on the road they meet Sigtrigger, who basically tells them that, you know, what what has hap- what happened with Brita. Um, there's also they meet, is this the part where they there's they they meet um Edward's army, right? Uh yes. Yes, it's um and and it's led by Perleg. Right. And they're like, what do you mean? Where's the where's Mercia? And they're like, Mercia's not coming. And so basically, you know, um Ethelhelm has somehow gotten to all the Saxon towns around Everwich, and they're not gonna help. Yeah, he uses his money of which he has a lot 
to so basically much. bribe everyone to not help Uhtred. Yes, exactly. So then they decide that they are going to get inside the city using the old Roman sewers. Which, you know, again, smart little nuggets. Sigtrigger and Uhtred are my favorite little alliance. I know, me too. That's what makes the rest of this season so painful. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of the end of episode two. So what's interesting about these first few episodes is that, like, we do really get a kind of a consistent storyline. And so where, se- where episode one ends, season two picks up, season three, you know, episode three picks up. Like, it's very concurrent. Like, there are yes. no breaks. No, it, exactly. It, it kind of feels like everything happening with Brita happens in, like, one solid week of time because it just keeps going and going going which is nice because as we've said before time doesn't really mean anything on this show so no. to have episodes sort of just happen in a linear way is it's kind of yeah. nice it actually is and it also it 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 makes things a little bit easier also to like recap because you're not like there's not like 500 storylines there's like three storylines right now which is kind of great yeah it's amazing it's very clear so episode three we begins basically with like brita brita has she ends up killing stiora's like handmaiden hella yeah it's i mean and it's sort of like brita sort of tricks her right she doesn't think that that's actually going to happen and then it does anyway and it's just and that is the moment when stiora is like enough is enough i'm done i'm gonna so she she basically reveals herself and demands that brita make the square and she wants a trial by combat with her which is so badass I love it. Yeah, it's incredible. But Stiora is not, I mean, not that Stiora is not a good fighter and a good warrior. She is. But Brita has been fighting her entire life. Yeah. Like, this woman is a beast. Like, you know, so, but the Danes, like, so Brita agrees. And so the Danes make the square. And the two of them are about to face off. And that's when Uhtred and Sigtrigger and Finnan and uh, Citric and Osferth, and they all enter the city um, and, like, free the men who have been held captive in, like, one of the big buildings there. Because uh, basically it's been all the men were... I think pretty much all the men, right, were were in one building. And yeah. then they, she was, like, basically killing all of the women. Yeah, it was brutal. Like, she was basically forcing a bunch of fathers and husbands and brothers to see their wives and sisters and daughters be murdered. Be murdered. Yeah, exactly. So, Uhtred and the guys, um, they free the captives. And then with the soldiers from Wessex, basically attack Brita and the Danes. And it's kind of like a brutal battle. Like, it's pretty, it's pretty bad. (laughs) Like, there's a lot of people dying, you know, and a lot of her people, like, a lot of the Danes, like, get killed. Now, in, this is, this is so, this, this part was hard. This, in one way, like, I get why they had to kill Brita's daughter. 
But also, I was just like, can Brita just not get, like, one little fucking iota of grace? I I know, it actually sucks. Like, (laughs) it just, like, really does. I know that Brita is our villain. villain. Yeah, exactly. They've obviously been, been, they've been building up for this for five seasons and yeah. But Brita literally loses everyone. 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 She loses her her entire family in season one. She loses Uhtred. She loses Ragnar. She loses Canute, even though he sucked. She has lost She's had a miscarriage. Like, she she loses all of her fights. Like, she lost the whole thing with Wessex and Edward and Sigurd. Yeah, all and, the battles. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she was in, like, you know, captured and forced into slavery. Like, I really did not want to see this happen. And, and it, it's... I know. And it happens in such a... Like, just, ugh, everything about it. Sucks. It sucks. sucks so bad. Narratively, because, sure, I understand, but for, I, I hated it. I hated it. Yeah, like, like I get why it had to happen, and like, it was heart wrenching to see, like, even in the midst of battle, Uhtred sees what's happening with Vibica. He sees her climbing. He's like, "Oh my fucking god, this kid is gonna get killed!" And he immediately goes to save her. Like, that's the kind of like. That's how much Brita means to Uhtred is that in the middle of a battle against her, he stops fighting to save her child. Yeah. Like he's. (sighs) Exactly. And then, and the thing is like, Brita cannot get out of her own fucking way. And like, he's trying to save her and she's like, no, 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 no. Like I won't let you and tries to get her to jump and she jumps and falls and immediately dies. It is brutal. Such a like record scratch of a moment. Like Ugh. everything sort of stops then. Yeah, it is. And it, it is like a. It is like a. I don't know. Something snaps in Brita. <laughs> in a way that we haven't seen before. And it's so basically she she is able to take her dog. She grabs her daughter and I think they they capture Father Pureleg, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know who of her team does, but they they get Pureleg and they're sort of able to like escape but they there's like a very few of them left like it's not a big crew no i think it's like a dozen if that a, like yeah, it's like really it's a really small group yeah um and so so you know they're kind of gone and so that leaves sort of sig trigger and utra to sort of figure out you know what to do with the people who are left and one of them is sig trigger's brother ronvald who you know, they capture and imprison because basically he's a traitor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, without him, this really wouldn't have happened. Yes, exactly. Yeah, he was the Trojan horse uh, to get into to get into Efferwich. And, you know, like, he, you know, <laughs> a lot of bad stuff happened because of Ronvald. 
So, um, there's that. And then, you know, Sig Trigger is mad at Mercia because he feels like they abandoned him um, by not helping retake Efferwitch. And, you know, he wants Uhtred to, like, swear loyalty to him and abandon the Saxon kingdoms. I'm like, Sig Trigger, have you learned nothing? That's not going to happen. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Doesn't matter how much you're boning his daughter. Like, it's not going to happen. <laughs> you know? Um, I know. It is it is kind of a hard moment, though, because part of me is just thinking, like, yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. Do it. And it's hard because, and this is a theme that kind of comes up a lot in this season, is just the idea of home. And loyalty and, you know, Remkofas feels like a place where Uchid has been able to sort of like live and be um, kind of the best version of himself. And so he does have a a big loyalty to it. And also his men have families there. And so, you know, the idea of him giving that up, he has to think about a lot of people when he makes these decisions. Like it's never just he can never be selfish about it. No, and I think the other thing, like you mentioned, like, you know, his men's families, but also the families, also the people of Rumkofa who have relied on Uhtred for the last seven to ten years, who believe he is their lord, you know, like, yeah. you know, he, you're right, he does, there's a lot of people that, that it would impact, and I think he's just not the kind of person who's ever going to put himself first. No. And so, yeah. So he's like, no, I'm not, I can't, I can't, I cannot, I'm not going to, I can't pledge my loyalty to you. Yeah. And you know, he's sort of got bigger things to worry about because he's still desperate to find Brita and stop her from doing any more damage. Right. Exactly. You know, because he's, she's come after both of his children now and you know, so who, who knows what's next? Like, is she going to try again? You know, will she try to get young Uhtred again? Like, who, you know, who knows? Um, and that's when Finnan finally reveals to Uhtred that Ethelflaed is dying. And wow, this scene hurt me. Yeah. In so many ways. Because Uhtred is so, like, he feels so betrayed by Finnan in this moment. And you see it truly is the first time that Finnan has ever not told him the truth about something. And yep. he is like, how fucking dare you? It is really hard for me to watch that because their relationship is just, I mean, it's, I know. it is the one of the most important ones on the show. Yeah. Um, but it's also like, Uhtred might have done something similar if he was in Finnan's position, you know? Well, and also Finnan knew that it would have been a hard decision for Uhtred to make to have to choose between the woman he loves and his daughter. Yeah. And he's had to do it before. And I think that Finnan knew he couldn't, he couldn't make that happen again, right? So... I think, you know, there's so much nuance to to Finnan and Uhtred's relationship and their friendship. And, you know, and so it's just, it's so heart-wrenching for Uhtred to be so hurt and upset by the fact that Finnan lied to him about Athelflaed. Yeah. Um, and it's just, 
Oh, it was heart-wrenching. Uhtred and his men return to Aylesbury um, so Uhtred can see Ethelfled before she dies. And that leaves Siora and Sigtrigger basically they have to decide what to do with Ronvald. Yeah, and it's these scenes between Sigtrigger and Siora are very hard because Siora kind of has better and it's hard, right? Like her instincts are a little bit better when it comes to his brother, but mm-hmm. people are can be really dumb when it comes to family. And so it's 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 like she knows that she's not going to get through to him the, the way that she wants to, so she's trying yeah. to kind of let him discover it in his own way. Mm-hmm. Yep. They do kind of come up with this plan that he can choose a quick kind of painless death. Mm-hmm. Or yep. he can see if he survives under trial um, of Dane Law. Right. And of course he chooses the trial because it's the most, it's the best shot he has of potentially surviving. Even though, my God, does it, the whole thing sound... Like complete torture, and I don't think so I'd gross. last two seconds to be honest. So gross. Um, yeah, he has to. Okay, correct me if I'm wrong. He has to pull a like sword or a bar of metal or something out of a boiling cauldron with his bare hands and carry it nine steps without. Yeah, dropping. it's so interesting. I I kind of wish I had done any sort of like so sadistic. Like, I wish I did any research on, like, the significance of any of these things. But it is really brutal. It's yeah, really it's brutal about, to watch. It's about gaining, like, some sort of blessing from the gods, basically. Some sort of, like, redemption that he has to do. And then, not only that, but he has to basically... His hands need to heal in order for it to have quote-unquote worked (laughs) um which is real fucked yeah yeah it's really crazy so then back in Aylesburg you know Uhtred is on his way to see Ethelfled but she she has started to decline rapidly much I think faster than Edith maybe had anticipated and so she tells I think it's Aldhelm that she intends to name her daughter Elfwyn as her successor. Um, <laughs> Which has everybody panicking about because we've only been introduced to Elfwyn as someone who's very much unimpressed with her mother's title and uh, about what that means for her. And she's just sort of desperate to be a normal teenage girl. Yeah, she just wants to make out with Kinleff, uh in a barn. Okay, yeah, guys, and like, just leave her alone. You know who can blame her? <laughs> I know, I know. He's cutie. He's obsessed with her, and she's like, what, eighteen, seventeen? Exactly. It's like, yeah. You know, I mean, she doesn't. She doesn't know. She hasn't had the same pressures put on her as uh, Alfred did to his kids. You know? No, not at all. Yeah, and like, you know, I mean, we we know that Alfred was a bit of a like. <laughs> insane dad <laughs> when it came to Ethelfled and Edward but like you kind of see how it prepared them for life whereas Elfwyn kind of does not have that in a way <laughs> yeah so everyone's pretty nervous <laughs> about Ethelfled naming uh, you know with the intention to name Elfwyn as her successor 
And Ethel Helm, Mm -hmm. at this point, they have found out that Ethel Flett is dying. Yeah. Because, again, he's got money and eyes and men everywhere. Right. So, now that he knows this, he's basically like, okay, my plan is to put uh, Elfweird name him as the king of mercia so then eventually one day when edward dies he can rule both mercia and wessex and obviously be guided by ethelhelm and this is when we start to see agafew the woman from kent who is now basically edward's mistress she overhears this and she goes directly to edward which like thank god girl thank god someone can can like undermine this man a little bit yeah exactly and it's a woman which i love even more i love it like i don't love edward he's like not my favorite character and i have hated almost all of his like romantic kind of plot lines but i like her i like this lady a lot so i'm very curious to see how it kind of plays out yeah like edward sucks real hard and he just gets worse <laughs> but like a few i like her yeah she's okay she's yeah. good it's like behind every great man there's like a dope ass woman and it's her yeah no exactly so uh and that's kind of where episode three ends and then oh, episode four i this is <sighs> Yeah, this was a really hard episode. It was. So basically, Uhtred arrives just in time. And he takes Ethelfled to, I don't know, like on a hike. Which also, like, dude, why are you taking her on a hike? Like, just let her stay in bed. But anyway. I know. it's I, I, Like, I understand <laughs> the need for, like, privacy. Because technically they're, they're not supposed to be together. Okay, but she's dying. But, like, just- yeah take her to a pond like take her somewhere close like flat surfaces i know so weird anyway so basically they sit down and they're gonna watch the sunset together and she dies in his arms and it is beautiful and heart-wrenching and it's just like Again, this really weird parallel with Brita where everyone Uhtred loves dies. <laughs> like all of his all of his romantic partners die. It is um well, except for Mildred, who is just being oh, a well, cute little yeah. nun somewhere in a right. nunnery. Sure, I forgot about her. <laughs> She's dead yeah. to me. He's so. got a, he's got a shit ass track record, like a the penis of death. Right? Yeah. Isn't that what we were, what we were calling it last summer? I'm yeah. pretty sure. Yeah, I think we were. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got you, Ethelfled. You thought um, you were you thought you had gotten away, but no. You haven't you haven't even smooched in ten years and yet it's long term. It's a long term thing. I know. I mean they did have a really sweet kiss before she died, so they did. It was really nice. So at the same time that uh, Athelflaed is literally dying uh, in Uhtred's arms. Edward arrives in Aylesbury because he has found out from Ethelhelm that his sister is dying. And, you know, um, 
that he he basically he he basically is like, okay, well, I want to see my sister, and like, oh, I don't know where she is. She's with Uhtred. Uh, but he does tell his niece that he kind of like assures her that she everything will be okay. Yeah, and he does it in like a very vague way. And so you sort of think that like, you know, because up until this point, Edward has been kind of, dare I say, cool. You know, like shit was happening in Everwitch and he was like, I'm going to back up my sister. I'm going to mm-hmm. send troops. Like I'm going to support Uhtred. My sister is dying. I need to be there with her. Like he kind yeah. of goes to Aylesburg really fast. And um yeah. You know, so when he sees Elfwyn, you think he's going to follow what, what Ethelflaed wants and he's going to, right. you know, be there to oversee the transition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, um, you know, I don't, you, you want to believe him, but also you're just like, mm, but I know you. Um, well, you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop because, uh, Edward doesn't do anything normal. Yeah. Uhtred brings, uh, Ethel fled back to the castle or the, yeah, wherever, you know, where she lives in Aylesbury. Um, and Ellsworth is distraught. She has this amazing, and this is probably one of my favorite scenes in the entire season. Uh, is that she's in the chapel and she basically says that God has forsaken her. Like she's done. She's just like, what the hell God, what have I not given you? Like, have I not sacrificed enough for you? Have I not, you know, how could you take her away from me? And Uhtred comes into the chapel and he just like puts his hand on her shoulder and it is just like it gets me. Like even now, I'm like, oh yeah, god, I, I feel so emotional about it because Aylesworth and Uhtred have such an incredible history between them, right? And a lot of it has been tumultuous. Oh yeah. So but, this is the first time we're seeing them as allies, but also. They are the only two people they have left who were around in the beginning. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like, yeah. they're those people that, like, everyone else has died but us. We have no choice but to put everything aside. And because we we have so much history. Yep. So much, so much joined history. And especially, you know... With her, you know, with with Elswit or with Elvlad dying, Uhtred now becomes one of the very last few connections that Elswit has to Alfred. Right, even mm-hmm. though she may not want to admit it, it's true. So I just I, I thought it was such a wonderful moment, and Eliza, <laughs> Eliza Butterworth, and it's Butterworth, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eliza Butterworth and Alexander Dreamin did such a phenomenal job of that scene like it truly took my breath away i know i mean the acting between the two of them like eliza has always sort of been a powerhouse of the show like her work as Aylesworth has always yes. sort of been above and beyond a lot of you know other performances which is yeah. saying something because the show is pretty impeccably acted i would say yes um, i totally would agree but i think this scene is just peak 
perfection. Yes. Beautiful. Absolutely. So, you know, after that, we get a little brief interaction in um, Etherwitch. You know, like I said, uh, Ron Bald has, you know, he's passed his test um, of carrying the medal, but he has to wait outside the city for three days while his hands, and if his hands begin to heal on the third day, you know, he's he's earned the God's forgiveness, which is so fucked. A burn does not heal in three days. But anyway. <laughs> it is sort of like this in, this incredible thing because, you know, like Sig Trigger is like really kind of, you know, deep down inside hoping that everything with his brother is going to work out. And Stuart is of like, of course. Please, like, just let this man succumb to his wounds and never bother right. us again. <laughs> right, exactly. And when yeah. they find out that his hands are beginning to heal, you know, Sig Trigger's like, okay, okay, this is what the gods are telling us. We have to accept it. And Stuart is like, fuck me. Like, I thought I had this in the bag. And this right. little worm is still here. I know. And, you know, and she's just like, and and I think the problem, and this is, I feel like the beginning of Sig Trigger's downfall is that he really does, he really does let that familial connection guide, you know, guide him and Mm -hmm. like, let him sort of be... I don't know, be swayed by the fact that Ronvald is his blood. And so, yeah. you know. Aw. Which is such an Uhtred thing to do. I know. So irritating. I, know. <laughs> I mean, because the problem is like, yeah, well, maybe his brother wants to get back into his good graces, but his brother has terrible advice. And like, right. loves to rile everybody up. And so he is sort of just more trouble alive. Then he is worth. He also really likes to pit Stiora and Sigtrigger against each other. Yeah, he's annoying as hell. Yeah. It's a really lucky thing that the actor who plays him is so cute. It's true. And he has great hair. I mean, maybe it's a <laughs> wig, but it's like... I don't know. It's like a really nice wig. If it's it's a wig. stunning. Yeah, it's really good. Why couldn't Edith get such a nice wig? Listen to me. I I know I shouldn't have brought it up because I know you'd be mad. I feel <laughs> triggered right now because it's I know. so bad. It's Stephanie better. Martini- it's better. 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 Stephanie Martini is so beautiful. I, I love her so much and her face is just stunning. Mm-hmm. And you know what? The hair color is the hair color isn't bad. No, 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 no. The but color is why? fine. Why do they insist on putting her in these wigs? I don't yeah like why didn't they just why didn't they just put some like extensions something or a better weird lace front I don't know I have a lot of thoughts on like the wig budgets for most shows because most of them are just so bad I know I really I know it's it's bad so yeah so whilst you're is like ugh, I guess I'm stuck with this brother-in-law for a little bit longer we find Brita who basically has kind of been like abandoned by the rest of her people. Oh yeah. They overheard like five seconds of conversation between her and Perlig and they're like, we're out because this is weird and I can't get behind it. I can throw myself into a pit in Iceland 
for some sort of cult god thing, but I cannot deal with all of this. It's like too much. Right, because, you know, basically she's just like absolutely distraught over the death of Vibica. I mean, rightfully so. And she's kind of like torturing Perlig uh, because like what else does she have to do? Um, but then she kind of begins to like question him about like God and his faith and like kind of tries to like bargain with him. Like, you know, you know, could she, and and this is, it's kind of like this sort of like weird magical realism that is Danish religion. Yeah. Uh, because she's kind of like, you know, could, could she, could somehow, could, could God restore Vivica in exchange for the lives of her remaining followers? And Perlig's like, mm, yeah, that's, that's not really how the big man works. <laughs> and it's so um, funny in a weird way because her followers were like, what the fuck? No, I'd rather not be sacrificed for a person who can't come back from the dead. Like, no, thank right. you. Gotta go. Bye. <laughs> exactly so and basically so this they all leave um so it's just brita and perlig and the whole episode it's really kind of it's a really interesting discussion because they they talk about the difference between you know the christian faith and the danish what the danes believe their faith and they kind of come to this some this kind of like beautiful like understanding um, and he sort of helps her come to come to grips with Vivica's death and and not that the sacrifice is worth it, but that she has to do something now in her life to sort of atone, not atone even, but like, to to find some meaning for the death of her child basically yeah it's it's a beautiful moment and it actually makes me miss Bayoka a little bit yeah because he mm-hmm. has such an interesting relationship with Brita and so you know obviously know. we're only allowed one true monk on the show at a time um, I know I know and Perlig does an incredible job of filling that that kind of I know like truly Kevin Clerken I mean I love I I've loved him since season two like he's 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 so great but I really feel like this season like just and I'm gonna keep saying it over and over again I'm you guys are gonna get so tired of me but like the characters are just so mature and not like mature and like that they were like immature before but they're just so they feel so rich. Yeah, and they so, feel like real. Yeah. yeah, they feel real. They feel so dimensional, um, like multidimensional. And I just I just think he's done such a great job with Perlick. Well, and I think what's really nice about this season um, is there's a really strong thread of empathy for characters. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Regardless yes, yeah. of what's going on, a lot of these characters are coming out these situations with a lot of empathy. Perlig was tortured and captured and like was probably worried that he was going to be killed. And he still gives Brita a tremendous amount of respect because he knows that she's grieving 
and he knows that she's dealing with something she's never dealt with before. And he's, he's giving her a lot of grace considering that like she tied him up and like stabbed him a little bit. Like, you know what I mean? I know. I know. And it's the same with what we see with Uhtred and Brita and Vibica's death, right? Like, after everything that's happened, after everything that Brita has done to Uhtred, he still, you know, wants to protect- And to her ch- his children. Yes. Yeah. So that to me is my favorite thing so far about season five is that like- Yeah. Every situation you're coming at it with like a certain sort of empathy. Unless yeah. you are Edward. What he, a piece of shit. <laughs> he comes at every situation with no empathy and- No. That's how we end this episode, is with Edward yeah. being a big pain in my butt. Basically, now they have announced the death of Ethel Fled, that the queen has died, and the eldermen are assembling to decide sort of the succession um uh of the you know who's going to be the the next sort of ruler of mercia and and before her death ethel fled had been visiting all of the eldermen and making sure that they kind of were like on her side and that they would support elfwin as the new successor you know and that kind of thing um and before they can actually meet to even decide uh, Edward has them all killed. <laughs> like, truly barbaric. I wasn't expecting this. I really no, was not expecting this to happen. No. I thought maybe Ethelhelm was going to cause some trouble. And, you know, like because we mm, had seen him yeah. bribing some of the eldermen and trying to make sure that, like, they weren't going to vote for Elfwyn. Mm-hmm. But I was not expecting full-on just murder murder exactly and this is the um the second time that my favorite thing happens because ethel stan has been kind of just quietly there for the most part he's really desperate to prove himself to utrid he's really desperate to sort of just like just be the best little nugget possible and he kind of sees that something is going on and he follows um he follows into the alley and he sees all this crazy stuff happening and our like little warrior king our little warrior ethling uh does a really great job of of (sighs) trying to like defend the elder man and defend himself and he almost gets killed he almost gets killed and he again cries out for Uhtred. <laughs> I know. It's true, Father. And I love it so much. <laughs> I love I it so much. I know, me too. Like, I am so down for this. Oh, it's so good. Yes. So now that all the eldermen have been murdered, instead of supporting his niece, Edward declares himself King of Mercia, as well as King of all Saxons and Angles. And basically at this point, Ellsworth is like, yeah, my son's gotten shit-brained. And sneaks Elfwyn out of the palace um, because she believes that he or Ethelhelm may have her killed. Yeah. And so we end... (laughs) 
on this crazy, crazy note. Yeah. I love it. I, I mean, I think, you know, we, you watched before I think, I think you, did we both watch the same, like at the same time almost? Because I think I watched during the day. Yeah, we watched most of it, I think, the same time. Yeah. Like, I actually unexpectedly had the day off. <laughs> yeah. The same. day the show dropped. And I yeah, just sat yeah. on my couch for like six hours. Yeah. And watched the entire first season. And I think almost immediately you and I were like, hands down, best season of the entire series. Like, we were both like, yeah. It's perfect. Yes. And I yeah. kind of stand by that still. Like, I really do think season five is my ultimate fave because. Me too. Every episode is really just well constructed. Like I'm just incredibly impressed with how yeah. they've managed to kind of get to this point and everything feels earned. And I'm like so excited to keep talking about this. I know. There is one other thing that happens at the very end of the episode is that uh, Ethelstan confronts his father yes. about the bloodshed, about killing the elderman. And clearly you can see the Uhtred coming through um, in this conversation between Ethelstan and Edward. And Edward basically is like, well, some people must die in order for many to live. And, you know, he says, like, by seizing the throne, you know, I prevented civil war, which, you know, your cousin would have been, you know, too weak to prevent. And it's just like, in that moment, I think you see more than anything else, the effect that Uhtred has had on Ethelstan. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's he's just sort of given this kid a lot of, like, just this... Like, Ethelstan is never nervous about speaking up for what's right, no matter who it's to, including his yeah. father, who is the king, and he's yeah. the bastard. You know what I mean? Like, he has... Yeah, exactly. He does not have fear, and that's... Like, I mean, he's such, he's so good. Yeah. Yeah. So like we powered through those four episodes, but like, I'm now I'm like, I'm super pumped again to now talk about five, six, and seven because five, six, and seven is the most brutal middle arc of a season that we've had to endure in a while. Yeah. Um, shit really hits the fan. And like I thought I said that like two episodes ago. So you, you, it's it's a lot. It is a lot. It is, it is hard. It is. I would say it is hard. It's the hardest three episodes I think for me of the season. It's the hardest three, but it also has some of the best reveals, like including one where I legitimately yelled out loud. Yep. And I was just like, "This is why this show is so fucking good." Yep. And that. We should have trusted them all along. So I'm very excited to talk about that. And and just like, oh, gosh, it was, I just really love this show. I love it so much. And the thing I love the most about the show is that it brought me you. Ah, Jenny. <laughs> because this is where it all started, guys. Like, Daria and I met... Because of our love of The Last Kingdom. And it just sort of like spiraled from there. And we just realized that we're two weirdos who are exactly alike. In like weird, crazy, <laughs> ridiculous ways. Even down to like scars on our nose. 
Yeah, like it's real. Which we discovered on our little girls trip the other day. Yeah, like we're basically the same person. Um, which is really strange. So yeah, so I'm I'm very excited for us to keep going, and I think I think next week's going to be even more fun. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's like when you don't know whether to like laugh or cry in like awkward situations. Like yeah, we giggle a lot as we talk about the death and mayhem of this show because like I don't know how else to react. Like no, because just... otherwise we'd just be crying the whole episode. And I don't think that's very fun to listen to. No. I mean, I'm sure there's like some <laughs> ASMR like <laughs> vibe to like just like people what, crying, but quietly sobbing and quietly sobbing, like... <laughs> yeah. But that's not really what we're into, guys. So, listener. Uh, if you would like to listen to previous episodes of the podcast, you can find them at h- www.hotelvicarious.com. You can also email us and tell us how badly we're pronouncing Sig Trigger's brother's name, uh, <laughs> hotelvicarious at gmail.com. You can also talk to us on our socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Hotel Vicarious. Uh Thank you, everyone, for listening, for joining us on our ride back to the 10th century. If you would like to review, like leave a review, leave a rating, we would love that. Um, You can do that on Apple Podcasts, I think on Spotify, mobile, Google Play, wherever you listen to us. If you want to just like, you know, drop us a little note about how much you love us, we would love that. We love attention. Yeah, we do. Please say good things about us. Uh, So thank you for checking into Hotel Vicarious and we hope you enjoyed your stay.